Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Thessalonians chapter number three. Do I need to turn anything on? Is it already on? Good. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter number three is where we're going to be today. I'm actually going to teach out of my notebook. That sounds nerdy, huh? First Thessalonians chapter number three. This is part two of last week's lesson that was part number one. And so I've been talking about uh, living in light of eternity. And we really, once we got to chapter number three, we opened up and saw that this is the heart of living in light of eternity. Um, this is where Paul really begins to show how he feels, what he desires to see. And so uh, last week we gave part one. Today we'll give part two. And then next week we'll dive into chapter number four. And uh, my goal is to really have us done with this book uh, probably the first week of June. And so um, we have flown through it, but I hope it's been a help. This, I believe, is the, uh, I'm probably going to get this wrong, sixth book we've gotten to do as a class. So we've got 60 more uh, to finish. And so uh, anyways, I think we're going to try to tackle Psalms all in one summer. I'm just kidding. We won't do that. I have always thought that it would be fun to have a series entitled Summer in the Psalms, but spell summer P-S-U-M-M-E-R. So like summer in the Psalms. Um, anyways, <laughs> you can get on that graphics guy, right? <laughs> Matt's like, I'm not going to design that. <laughs> anyways, um, so summer in the Psalms is not what we're going to do, but we will do something this summer. Um, we are going to start our Wednesday nights um, back up. Uh, first week of summer. That date is slipping my mind right now, but we'll start our Wednesday nights back up uh, here in a a couple of weeks, and I'm actually excited about that. We're going to try to change those up a little bit so that you're not having to listen to me talk the whole time. But uh, for today, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Uh, let's begin reading in verse number 6. We finished through down through verse number 5 last week, but in verse number 6, uh, this, uh, the thought is kind of continuing, and Paul is writing, and he says this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Let me stop and just kind of remind you where we were at last week. Um, We stopped with that Paul says, you know what, I was burdened for you. He says two times when I could no longer forbear, when I just couldn't go any further. He says, we sent someone to find out how you were doing. And so he shows his heart by sending. He showed his heart by being concerned. He showed his heart by wanting to establish them. But he's going to continue showing his heart by what he hears back from Timotheus. And so Timotheus brings this report. And then in verse number seven, you see Paul's response. He says, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you and all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Night and day, 
praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. To the end he may, estab- may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ with all his saints. Would you go back and would you read verse number 11 with me out loud together? Ready, begin. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Paul says, I want to come see you. And here's what we see in Paul's heart in this passage. Is if you're going to live in light of eternity, it's going to mean that you focus more on others than you do on yourself. If you're going to live in light of eternity, it means that you're going to focus more on others than you do yourself. We saw a little glimpse of that last week, Paul being willing to maybe sacrifice some time, some organization, some help from Timothy to be able to send him to Thessalonica. But here's where we really get to see his heart in these passages. And what you see is that he's more concerned that they be right with God, that they be walking with God, that they be learning and growing in their knowledge and in the grace of God. He says, this is what we want you to be doing. And my heart is going to reflect towards you. My heart that I have to see you be right with God, he says, to see you be unblameable in holiness until the end, when the day that Jesus Christ calls you home. He says, I want you to be growing until the day that Jesus Christ returns or until the day that you die. That is what living in light of eternity looks like. And the person, the Christian, who is already living in light of eternity eventually will begin to step back and they'll stop looking inward, they'll stop looking at themselves, they'll stop worrying about their needs, and they will start looking at the needs of those around them. And so with that in mind, let's look at part number two of the heart of living in light of eternity. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the example that Paul demonstrates in this passage, Lord, of just how much of a heart he had for these new Christians. And God, I ask that you would give many of us in this room that same heart for someone else. Lord, if there's anything that I know that we can be stretched beyond our limits in in this Christian life, it would be our care for someone else. And so, God, I ask that you would help us to be able to step back, stop looking at ourselves, stop focusing on ourselves, and start focusing, first of all, on you, and then secondly, on those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. The older I get, the more that I am convinced that much of the Christian life is demonstrated not in what we do for ourselves, but in what we do for others. And sadly, we've kind of fallen into this trap, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, that the life that we have down here is intended to be really all about us. We get the jobs that we want. We get the clothes that we want. We get the things that we want. We get the money that we want. We get the dreams that we want. And so we have all these things that we want, and very little of our time and our energy is spent thinking or looking to the needs of others. And I'll be honest with you, I've been challenged even in my own life about how busy and how maybe focused I am on taking care of myself to where sometimes it almost just feels like you don't have the time to do anything for anybody else. Does it ever feel like that? 
And much of that has to do with the way that our world has driven society, the way that culture has driven everything in our lives to where we accumulate all these things and then all of a sudden we have to take care of all the things that we got. Does anybody else live in that world? Like you, you go and you get a phone and then you drop it and all of a sudden the screen breaks and then, okay, well now I've got to take it and I've got to get the screen fixed. And if I don't want to pay the $100 to get the screen fixed, then I need to go and try to do it myself and that's going to take me four hours. And so you can't really be baking brownies for your neighbors while you're trying to take care of all the things that you've got. You go get a car. All of a sudden, the car breaks down. You buy a house. You buy. You own. A, you rent an apartment. All these things that you have in life, they kind of clamor for your time to the point to where by the time you're done taking care of your needs, it kind of feels like that you don't have time to take care of the needs of anyone else. And when we step back and we look at where our time and energy is spent, I want you to listen to this. Many times what we are doing is we are simply caring for the things that we have been given in this life rather than caring for the treasure that we can lay up in the next life. So much of our world, so much of our life is spent fixing this and taking care of this and working hard so that we can have this and working extra hours so that we can buy this and saving up so that we can get this and spend that and have this. And, and so much of it is just this revolving door. It's just this cycle. Well, I'm going to work harder so that I can get this. I'm going to, I'm going to save up so that I can do this. I'm going to, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but watch this. Many of those things are simply a distraction from the fact that Jesus Christ has called us to love others. From the fact that how we love each other and how we love those around us is one of the distinguishing characteristics that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples and that ye, you finish it. Thank you, all two of you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples and that ye love one another. And the truth is, is the many times the reason we cannot love one another is because we love ourselves too much. The reason that we cannot love one another or love someone else is because we love ourselves too much. And in this passage, here's what you see. You see that Paul begins to say, this is how much I love you. This is how much I have a heart to see you be right with God and be ready for Jesus Christ when he returns. This is how much I desire you to grow. And so if you're going to have a heart that is living in light of eternity for yourself, then eventually what you will find is that will begin to push outward and you will also have a heart for others. And so what does that heart look like? First of all, I want to talk about three different thoughts from the heart that we see in this passage. First of all, we see what the heart wants to hear. What the heart wants to hear. He sends Timotheus, and Timotheus leaves, and then Timotheus comes back. That's Timothy, by the way. Okay, we guess we, I guess we can refer to him as Timothy, all right? Um, but he sends him, and he comes back, and Timothy, when he shows up, he gives it this report. The report is found in verse number 6. I want you to look at it. He says, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings, so it was good news, good tidings of your faith and, of, and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. So what did he come back? What, what report did he come back that the heart wants to hear? I think that if you could have maybe played this out in the negative way, if Timothy would have come back and said, Paul, Thessalon the Thessalonian Christians are struggling, Paul's heart would have begun to sink. Paul's heart leaped and it rejoiced, and we see that in just a second, because of what he heard. Have you ever gotten bad news 
or have you ever been expecting bad news and gotten good news? There's a little bit of a relief there, isn't it? Most of the time, we don't set ourselves up to, uh, to hear good news, do we? Like, oh my goodness, I just can't wait, to, I can't wait to hear what all exciting happened in someone's life. If you're sitting in the waiting room, you don't sit your, set yourself up to hear good news. You set yourself up to hear bad news and hoping that it's good news, right? And I feel like that that's a little bit of the scenario that Paul had here. He sends this guy away, and he says, I want him to go and talk to them. I want him to check on him. And I'm going to set myself up for bad news. But if it's good news, then praise the Lord. And so his heart got to rejoice. Well, what did it rejoice in? First of all, he wanted to hear of their faith or of your faith. The heart wants to hear of your faith. When was the last time that someone else's faith that had been shared with you encouraged you in your faith? When was the last time that someone else's faith that was shared with you encouraged you in your faith? And I know sometimes you can sit there and say, well, no one shared anything with me. Then what are you talking about when you get together? When you go on a date, what are you spending your time talking about? When you sit down with someone else in this class, what are you spending your time talking about? Are you talking about others? Are you talking about maybe empty things? Are you talking about hobbies? Are you talking about worthless things? Or are you sitting down and you're saying, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. Hearing of someone else's faith should encourage you in your faith. And so Paul's, Paul hears of their faith, but then he also hears of their charity. Our heart wants to hear of their charity. I don't know what that looks like for them in this scenario, but when Timothy comes back, he says, Paul, you wouldn't believe it. Their faith is growing. Their, their charity, their love, how they're showing the love of Christ is growing. Your heart for others should desire to hear how others are loving someone else. When someone says, hey, you know what? I, I'm doing this for my neighbor this week. That should encourage you. That should make you want to do something for someone else. That should make you want to do... When someone shows the love of Christ to you, that's not something for you to hold on to. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you for the blessing. No, pass that blessing on to someone else. How many of you have ever been in a drive through line and someone in front of you paid for your, the meal behind, uh, paid for your food? Okay? Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, it, you seem like the jerk when you're like, <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah, okay. Great. Have a good day. Awesome. Free coffee. It's like, no, you feel like that you have to, okay, well, here's my car. What's their total behind me? $29.99. Oh, what's the guy behind him? <laughs> but that blessing gets passed along. And guess what? If that blessing occurs in the world, if it occurred, I, was, I went through a Starbucks line one time and she goes, you're the fifth person to, that's the longest streak I've ever seen. You're the fifth person to get their food paid for. I'm like, so the, the streak ends with me then, huh? Like, no, the point is to pass that blessing on to someone else. And too many times we're in the mode and we're so prideful to where we want to collect the blessing, but we very rarely want to give the blessing. Is that how Christ would have responded? Is that how Christ showed his love to us? No. And if the world can figure that out in a drive through line, why can't we as Christians say that others should be encouraged by my charity, but then also by your remembrance? By your remembrance. 
He says this in verse number six. He says, and that ye have good remembrance of us always. Can I just share something very briefly that I think is a lost art in Christianity? We have lost the art of recall and remembrance and really just meditation of thinking of what God has done for us. And Paul says, when I sent Timothy, not only did I hear of your faith and of your charity, but I also heard of how much you remembered us. Not every memory that you have in this Christian life is going to be a good one. Not every memory is going to be something that you enjoy looking back on and rehearsing. But there are times in the Christian life where you need to go and you need to remember what God has done, who God has used in your life, how God has directed your path, how God worked in the midst of your pain. One of the first things that I encourage someone to do when they start, when they're going through something difficult is to start journaling. Because what you are experiencing in that moment is something that you could very well need four, five, six years down the road. And sadly, God sees us through something difficult. God helps us through something. God shows us his way. God, God maybe helps us through a difficult time. And what do we do? We get to the next difficult time. We get to the next valley, and we're the same frustrated as, as God as we were the first time. Well, God, why, do, why am I doing, going through this again? God, what do I do now? God, how, how are you ever going to get me out of this mess? And God's brought you through mess after mess after mess, but you have no recall. You have no remembrance of what he's done. I've shared this with a few of you in this class, but my notes app is probably one of the most used apps on my phone. I'll be sitting in my car, I'll be waiting in a drive-thru or something, and the Lord will bring something to my mind. I have notes that are titled completely stupid things. I have notes that have table dimensions on it. I have notes that have random things on it. I have notes that have the cost of how much a shower door is. But I have notes that are also in there for me to go back and look at. God, this is something you did in my life, and I want to be able to pull that up and be able to remind myself of just how good God is. And the last thing is this, is not only of your faith and of your charity and of your remembrance, but he also says of your desire. He says, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Can I ask you a question? And today's lesson is going to be a lot of questions. I have found that questions do more for you than probably statements ever do, Okay. When was the last time you shared with someone else what you believe that God is desiring, God is wanting you to do? When was the last time you shared a spiritual goal with someone else? Can I be maybe a little too honest as someone who lives and breathes kind of ministry in the Christian life, okay? Gets paid to do it. That there's times I can look back on my week and I, and I have talked about everything that is fruitless and meaningless and not shared anything that is maybe spiritual. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've ever had with my wife is when we've sat on the couch, 11.30, midnight, and I've said, I feel like that this is what God's doing in my life. This is what I'm praying about. Just this week, I came home and I had read my little whatever number day of prayer journal we were on. And I came home and she said, this is what I'm praying for. And with unknown to us, I said, literally, the, I, I put the exact same thing down, almost word for word, and we put the exact same due date on it of when we wanted to see God give us an answer by. And I had, I, I had made that decision really a couple of weeks ago, 
But as I read through my prayer journal, I jotted that down that that's what I was praying for that day. And we came home and we got to spend about 20, 30 minutes just asking God, this, God, this is what we want you to do in our lives. This is what we're desiring. And sometimes the reason why no one gets in the yoke with us to help us on our spiritual journey is because we don't ever talk about what God's doing in our lives. Just last week, or just last night, uh, or yesterday at Charlie and Ashley's uh, wedding, I got a text saying, hey man, can you give me a call? So I called him in between a couple of the announcements that I was making at the, uh, the wedding, and uh, it was a guy telling me, he says, I'm, I'm asking God to, to lead me into ministry. I feel like I'm being called into full-time ministry. I got to pray with him and rejoice with him and told him I was going to pray alongside of him. That's what telling others and desiring that you would say, this is what God's doing in my life, and that's what the heart wants to hear. But then notice next is what the heart wants to do. What the heart wants to do. After, it, after you hear this, what does your heart long to do? You know what I've been amazed by over the last couple of months since really the pandemic, and I guess really just society as a whole, we were a mess before the pandemic, okay? The pandemic was just the opportunity to show how big of a mess we were. But you know what I've been amazed by? is how many Christians have used something like that to excuse what they've wanted to do all along. I used to think that if the closer we got to Jesus Christ returning, that Christians would wake up and say, I want to do more. But really, we've used it as an opportunity to say, well, no, I want to do less. And not only do I want to do less, I want to do more for myself than I do for others. And when you step back and your heart begins to say, this is what I long to do. If tomorrow someone said, you can do anything you want for the next 24 hours, and you'll be successful in it. You'll, you'll be happy because of it. You won't have any repercussions because of it. What would you do? If someone gave you that opportunity, I know it sounds like a movie script, but bear with me for just a second. If someone said, you've got 24 hours to do whatever you want to do, there would be many Christians who would take that opportunity to go, and they would go, to, they would go sow their wild oats. They would go live however they wanted to live. They would go do whatever they want to do that the Christian life has constrained them and kept them back from doing. When what we should say is, okay, if I have the opportunity to do whatever I want to do, if I have the opportunity to do what God has called me to do, then this is what I'm going to do. And Paul gives us some ideas. First of all, he says, I would be comforted. I would be comforted. He says, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in our affliction and distress by your faith. I want you to notice he says, we were comforted in our difficulty. We were comforted in our affliction. We were comforted in our distress. If you're having a hard time, the best thing that you can ever do is go and find someone who's having a joyful time. Go find someone who's shown peace in the midst of pain. Go find someone who's having joy in the midst of their heartache. And let that speak to the joy and the comfort that you can have in your own life. So be comforted. Secondly, not only be comforted, but be alive. Be alive. Or be awakened. He says this, For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. He says, Because of your steadfastness, because of your stability, I am alive. Man, I'm ready to do more. I don't know where Paul was at. at the, I mean, he was in Athens, but I don't know where, really where his stage, where his heart was. But can you imagine if he would have gotten a bad report from Thessalonica? Would he have said, Ah, I'm done. 
Why go into these cities and try to plant churches? Why go and try to do what God's called me to do just for them to go off the rails as soon as I leave? But he says, I'm alive. I'm ready to do something more for God. Be alive. Be comforted. But then secondly, or, or thirdly, be thankful toward God. Be thankful toward God. He says in verse number 9, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God? He says, Be thankful toward God, be joyful for, toward God. You'll notice these are the only two points that are toward God. And here's what I want to say. Okay? I want you to listen to this. When God uses you to do something in someone else's life, or God uses you in some way, it is not an opportunity for you to take joy and thankfulness in yourself, but toward God. It's not an opportunity for you to be thankful for yourself or to be joyful toward yourself, but toward God. So much of the limelight of the Christian life is taken away from God when we step on the scene and we become the Savior that nobody knew that they needed. Someone's going through a hard time, but super Christian's here. Someone's going through something difficult. Oh, Joel's here to save the day. The church is here to save the day. I'm here to help. If you help someone, it was only by the grace of God. And everything that you do should point back to glorifying God. Don't be someone else's savior. Point them to their savior. Assist with that. Don't be Jesus for them. Point them to Jesus Christ. So be thankful toward God. Be joyful toward God. And then sec or num letter E, I don't know what number a letter is, so I need to start numbering those. Letter E would be one, two, three, four. It's number five, okay? Fifthly, that's not even a word. Be seen, okay? Be seen. Letter E. He says this in verse number 10. He says, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So then he says, be seen. But then lastly, he says, be helpful. He says that we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Who is someone that you're running alongside of and helping right now? Who's someone that you're encouraging? And then the last thing is this, is what the heart wants to see. What the heart wants to see. What does the heart want to see happen as a result of its work? First of all, it wants to see God's guidance. God's guidance. You see this in verse number 11. He says, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He says, God direct our way. He wants to see God's guidance or God's direction. And then uh, secondly, he wants to see God's increase. He says that you may increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And then he says God's establishment in verse number 13. And he says God's holiness. Here's what I want to close with. I know that's a lot of points. And probably for many of you, you were checked out when you opened the notebook or when you picked up the notes and you saw, holy smokes, we got 39 blanks to fill in today. Okay, Let me bring it all down to a, a point for you. When your heart desires to see God work in you and through you, then all of a sudden... This life down here no longer becomes about you. When your heart desires to see God work in you and through you, this life down here no longer becomes about you. It first of all becomes about Jesus Christ. And here's my concern, okay? 
My concern is that as a generation, we can step back and we, look and we can look at the world the way that it is right now. And it's a mess, okay? Like, we don't even need to debate that. I don't need to give you any news articles. I don't need to give you any sources to cite that it's a mess, okay? And my fear is that we can step back and we can look at that and we can say, well, Jesus is coming back. Things are a mess. I don't know what to do, so I guess I'll just step back and wait. I guess I'll just hold on. I guess I'll just dig into my little Christian tunnel of isolation and not do anything. When I think that if we looked at Paul and saw how he lived, that we would see that we could step back and we could say, okay, if that is true, then now more than ever is when God needs to work through me. Now more than ever others are relying on me. Now more than ever my coworkers have questions. Now more than ever my friends need to see truth. Now more than ever they need to see someone who's alive, who wants to be joyful toward God, who wants to be helpful, who wants to help perfect their faith, who wants them to experience God's guidance, who wants them to experience God's establishment, who wants them to experience God's holiness. Now more than ever is the time to step up your Christian life. Why? Because when you live in light of eternity, you're no longer focused on yourself. You're focused on others. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll ask God to bless us. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.